Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. If you were here two weeks ago, then this story comes in Luke uh, shortly after the one that we heard that day. If you remember, Jesus had been invited by the Pharisees to a Sabbath meal. And I mentioned that, that eating together was an intimate relational act done in close community. And we were reminded that Jesus does not give up on people or groups of people, that we cannot be quick to dismiss the Pharisees as unwelcome or outside of God's redemption. Well, what happened after that story to get us to today's story, not that much further down in Luke, is all a little bit blurry. So first, at the beginning of Luke 14, Jesus was eating with Pharisees, and he told them those two parables about the parties that we heard about. And then right after that, the next part of Luke 14 begins with this phrase, Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, That was last week's gospel, uh, where you heard about the cost of discipleship. We never actually hear that the meal ended, or actually that it even started. Only that he had been invited and had showed up for the Sabbath dinner, and then large crowds showed up. Then today's parables about the lost sheep and the coin follow immediately after. They're the beginning of Luke 15, and they begin with this. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. If you're having trouble following, hang in there. There's a reason. So the story, again, starts with a meal that never seemed to have happened yet. And then suddenly there was a large crowd. And now there are tax collectors and sinners joining the scene. Did the dinner end and we didn't hear about it? Did it ever start? Did it get ready to start and these other folks just kind of show up and like Jesus invited them all to sit and eat with him at this other person's house? Was it maybe like a, here, have a seat in the grass and I will miraculously multiply the food like he did with the huge crowd elsewhere? Is that why the Pharisees are complaining that he's eating with these other people instead of them? Or did the dinner end and they went back outside and now they're just kind of complaining that Jesus would dare share the same sort of intimate fellowship with these people that he had just shared with them, these gross tax collectors and sinners. 
Well, we don't really have the details of the setting. We don't actually know why, but we do know that it's kind of easy to start picking sides, right? It's easy to, to join with Jesus, to side with him maybe over the Pharisees, because that's like our tendency, because they have a big biblical history of kind of sticking their foot in their mouths. And nobody likes a complainer, these people who show up grumbling. It's easy to be like, oh, it's them. They're the bad ones. It's definitely the Pharisees. It's really easy to pit them against the tax collectors and sort of casually and arrogantly assume one is clearly wrong and the other is perfectly and obviously the underdog, right? Those tax collectors, they just need love. But like two weeks ago, I'll warn us that it's never as cut and dry as it seems. The Pharisees and the tax collectors are groups of people who had, in general, caused a lot of harm to their community. The Pharisees, on occasion, and broadly speaking, of course, placed spiritual burdens on their people. They could be so legalistic that they refused to see the actual needs of folks, which is why Jesus has to remind them that the point of God's law was first and foremost about building up a community of love. It wasn't about rules. It wasn't about drawing lines in the sand so that someone's in and someone's out. But the tax collectors, they were Roman sympathizers. Tax collectors sided with an aggressive and greedy empire over the plight of their neighbors. So instead of standing with all the others who were oppressed, they chose to join the oppressors and be one of them. They were given permission when they collected taxes to pretty much tax whatever they wanted beyond the already high price tag, and then they could pocket the excess which many of them took full advantage of, because of course, why wouldn't they? Remember the story of wee little Zacchaeus? Is the song stuck in your head already? He climbed up in the sycamore tree. Please don't make me sing it. Remember, he wanted to get a better view of Jesus, and then uh, Jesus came and said, hey, come on, come, come have dinner with me. Do you remember that? Scripture says Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And after, after simply having been seen, having been acknowledged by Jesus, Zacchaeus said he would give half of his possessions to the poor. And he said, if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Nobody offers such a specific act of atonement unless it's needed, right? If he defrauded anyone, please Zacchaeus obviously defrauded many people of a lot of money. It was practically in his job description. So these are the people that Jesus is talking to today. Pharisees and tax collectors. Neither of them seemingly the good guys of the story, right? Which is part of the point. It's part of Jesus' point. Jesus has them all together and he calls them out in a bit. He calls them out for their participation in the lostness of others. If a sheep is lost, it's because the shepherd lost it, right? If a coin is lost, it's because the woman lost it. It didn't grow legs and walk away in her house. 
Somebody was responsible for these things. Somebody was supposed to be caretaking, and somebody made a bad choice. And in case that point was missed on the Pharisees and the tax collectors, these are not random parable subjects either. Sheep and coins. In the Old Testament, leaders were called shepherds. In several places, they're named as shepherds. Many examples of given are given when God's chosen leaders were good or bad caretakers of the flock. This is the language that's used. So the Pharisees were tasked from their ancient history with being shepherds of the people. They were responsible for their sheep. And Jesus, not so subtly, let them know that their loveless rules were doing more harm than good, turning people away from hope. People had been lost. They'd felt left out of the kingdom because of the Pharisees' leadership, and they were accountable for it. It was their job, Jesus says, to go and seek out the lost and bring them back to help change hearts and minds and lives in the name of love. And that coin, who would be so desperate to find one lost coin? How many of you would turn over your houses for like a silver dollar? Yeah. Who would be so desperate to find one lost coin if that person weren't scraping by in the first place? The tax collectors were the reason that that poor woman was poor and losing her mind over one lost coin. They were responsible for people being in that position to begin with, and they would not be let off the hook for their role in creating and maintaining poverty in their community. People had become lost, scared, alone, left out of abundant life because they had to focus all their energy on simply surviving, and the tax collectors were a big part of being accountable for that. And Jesus tasked them to consider how they were contributing to the harm done in their community. In both cases, neither party, Pharisees or tax collectors, escaped the harsh judgment of the law. No one does. That's what the law does. It holds up a mirror. Jesus held up a mirror to them, reminding them that God's love and leadership demand equality, equity, justice, a sense of wholeness and belonging for all of God's creation. Pharisees and tax collectors, neither of them the good guys of the story. And yet, in a different way, that's also the point for Jesus. Because there's a silent third group of people implied in this text. Remember all the other followers that had been traveling with Jesus and they're listening in? And anyone who reads these stories and dares to judge, this is the third party. All these other hearers. Because Jesus did choose to eat with Pharisees and tax collectors. He did choose that intimate communal act. He did choose to teach among them. He didn't give up on them ever. If Jesus is now the shepherd, and a much better one, is the crowd, are the readers, okay with Jesus pausing with them, with us, to relentlessly seek out lost Pharisees and tax collectors? 
If Jesus is now the owner of the coin and a much more responsible one, is the crowd, are the readers okay with the lavish and seemingly wasteful party that God throws when even one of those Pharisees and tax collectors has a change of heart and mind and lifestyle like Zacchaeus did? The third in the string of parables that Jesus shares here is left out of today's lectionary. It goes the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. We all know that story, right? The guy who squanders his dad's property and leaves, and then he comes back and and kind of grovels, and so dad says, of course, you're always welcome, and throws him a huge party, and older brother stands outside going, are you kidding me? Is the crowd... Are the readers going to be the older brother who stands just outside the party, complaining about the great lengths that the father has gone to to celebrate and welcome the despised younger brother who was so broken, so disrespectful, so harmful to the family and community, those Pharisees and tax collectors? Or is the crowd, are the readers willing to join the party alongside him as fellow sheep of the flock, all equally worthy of a second chance at life, and a third, and a fourth, and a fifth. Because while no one escapes the harsh mirror of the law, no one escapes the grace of the gospel either. All parties, the sheep, the coin, the Pharisees, the tax collectors, the older brothers who are listening in on Jesus' exchange here, all parties are lost in their own way. We can and have probably been any one of them at any point in our lives, right? So no matter which group you find yourself in this day, hear this good news. God throws an extravagant and lavish party every time our hearts and minds and lives are changed, are opened, are grown for the betterment of ourselves and all of creation. Every time we are reoriented back toward kingdom living, that's what repentance means, to turn around. Every time, God celebrates. Hear the good news that while any of these folks, while any of us might seem like a nameless nobody, somebody not worth going after, just one sheep in a flock of a hundred, that you are not nameless to God. God fully knows you. And while it might seem utterly ridiculous and even wrong to leave 99 defenseless sheep behind in the wilderness to go after one, that God believes you are worth the rescue. And that God somehow also manages to hold on to those 99 because that's God. That's how God works. You are seen, you are acknowledged, you are loved into foundness, out of lostness. And every time we repent and return safely home, the kingdom is righted and God celebrates with all of God's might. May we be so reckless as to join the party and give thanks for all who are found. Thanks be to God.